Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Our podcast today is going to focus on operations, leadership, and how these two have a synergy, how we can mix them and create a harmonious blend in company culture and structure. We will be joined by our special guest, Chris Burnham, who is going to provide insight uh, into this as well as his experience and how we can melt these two topics together. You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your host, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. For those of you who are new with us, I want to just introduce myself, introduce my co-host, tell you a little bit about us so that you can catch up in season two. Uh, My name is Nicole Galicio-Ells. I am a Chief Operations Officer with Virtual Assist USA. I am all things operations, initiatives, implementation. My Uh, Co-host today is Cassandra Blake. Cassandra, can you talk a little bit about yourself? Like Nicole said, my name is Cassandra Blake. I am the operations manager here at Virtual Assist USA. I have a very good problem-solving type of etiquette. I help entrepreneurs, small business owners, big business owners try to bridge the gap between what they're missing and where they want to succeed. I work very hard in making sure, you know, there's a streamlined process for everything and you can, you know, look into the future and try to figure out where you're going, but also have the steps to succeed to do so. And the other part would be, I am told that I have a very relaxing podcast voice. So it makes listening a little more easier. Yes, <laughs> it very much does. So today we are going to talk a little bit about, are you a great leader? Right, Both Cassandra and I and our uh, special guest, Chris Berman, are leaders. We are leaders in different capacities, but the overarching goal or title for our roles is is being a leader. So what makes a good leader? Uh, Are our listeners good leaders? You know, there are always ways to improve. So let's talk a little bit about this. Sandra, what would you say the top three things are for you that makes a good leader? Uh, transparency, communication. The third one is more so I'm not going to ask my employees to do something I wouldn't do. So I guess more of a team player. You have leaders that kind of sit back and just like, okay, you know, you need to do this, but yet you don't. So I kind of also look at it towards that type of point of view. Agree. I think that in order to be a leader, you have to know every role and have executed every role, because if you don't, you can't see it from that perspective. So if you don't know it, how can you improve upon it? How can you change it? Uh, how can you give advice? So I, I I like that one. That That's on my list. I think that a great leader is someone that listens. It is very hard to be a leader in the sense that we're also human. Right? We make mistakes. And a lot of leaders harp on their mistakes instead of also looking at big picture. So I think 
as an employee, and of course I've been an employee, if you're not a leader, it's hard to put yourself in their shoes and understand each side of the spectrum. So I think taking a step back, realizing your mistakes, you know, acknowledging them, making sure your team knows where your goals are, where are you going, why you're doing things. A lot of uh, employees don't like change. I don't like change, but I know it's for the better. It's hard, right? There are always questions when change comes around, but in order to grow a company that's needed. So being a leader is hard. So I think if you're listening, that's step one of being a great leader. You're taking the initiative to improve upon your skills. You're taking the initiative to grow your business. So I think it says enough for itself that you're listening in. I think one of the biggest things for me is when you have a leadership team that knows you by a name and not a number. So you're actually having those listening conversations and you know, you're able to connect on that type of level where it's like, oh, you're not number 532, your name is Nicole. And Nicole, I know that you've been in this position for X amount of years, this is what you do, instead of treating it like a machine. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that that listening type of skill set with a leadership, but also that personal touch because it, it, I think it benefits more in the long run. A lot of CEOs maybe meet with their team. Let's say if you're midsize, you maybe meet with your team maybe once a quarter. Right? I think it's important that you do your best to meet with your team on a regular basis, even if it's five minutes. I know we are all busy, but making that connection with your employees is really important because they drive your, your business. You have to understand them. You have to lead them. I think it's also important to be very self-aware right? If you have no self-awareness, then you're not understanding where where your strengths and weaknesses are. You, you have to know where am I weak and ha- who else can help me improve upon those things. You can't do everything yourself. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening, you're like, I can do everything. I can be the bookkeeper. I can be the HR. I can be the payroll specialist. I, you know, you can do it all it's it's impossible right so know your strengths and know your weaknesses cut your tasks where they need to be right i always say this i've said this for years think about how much you pay yourself and then think about those mundane tasks that you're doing you're overpaying yourself to do your calendar management it could be a link it doesn't have to be a person um but start to automate start to delegate start to grow Uh, But self-awareness comes first, right? Know what you are good at, hone in on that and delegate the rest. For most leaders, most of them, um, they've started at the bottom and they've worked their way up. You should know, okay, well, this is a task that I know my employees can handle or it should take this long or vice versa because you started there, you understand it. And sometimes, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this myself, you have to let go. Even though you've been doing it for so long, once you move up, you're doing, you know, better and greater things and you have to focus on growth and success and, and whatnot. And you can't do that if your plate is constantly full of the work you previously did in a previous position. And, you know, then you end up with, oh, I can, I can do it all. Like you said, and you know, my, it looks like Thanksgiving dinner on your plate and everything is just overflowing and you're kind of just like, okay, I need to separate things out. And I think once leaders also understand that, it puts a better perspective, you know, into place. I think, you know, I'm in a stage right now with growth that I had delegated everything out 
but we've grown so much. I need to take a step back and reassess the tasks that I had previously delegated. That's also, I think, important, right? You can't just say for the long term, I'm going to continue to say payroll because that was the first thing on my mind. You know, I'm going to just leave payroll forever. I'm not going to look at look at it again. I just trust everyone to look at it. Uh, it's, you know, beneath me. I, I've delegated. It's done, right? No, dive back in. It it should not look like Thanksgiving, right? It should not look like everything on your plate, but one thing at a time, right? Take a look, make sure it's still running properly, right? If you need to lead lead the car, you need to make sure though that, oh, did I check the tires? Are they still, you know, functioning properly? Do we need to upgrade? Um, so I think it's important to also take a step back, tiny steps to make sure things are still running smoothly because, uh, a tiny crack, if you don't, if you let it go, can become something larger. You need, you know, you need to have eyes on things on a rotating basis. Something I like to do is put it on my calendar, right? I will put something on my calendar for six months from now to say, let me revisit this. Just make sure, take a half hour, make sure it's still operating. It's still necessary. There are no new tools that can better assist, right? Platforms are different every day, it seems. There are upgrades and I think a six-month basis to reassess something is is an okay timeline. Because what might be working now may not be working in a few months. Mm -hmm. You also have to, <clears throat> I think, look at it from, you know, like a 360 point of view as well. And it's like, okay, you're in the leadership role. This is what's going on around you. And like you said, take a tiny step back and kind of look at it where, okay, where do I want to see us in six months? Where do I want us to go? Um, if I keep trucking along the way I am, we're just going to stay in one spot. We're not going to grow. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to expand. And that's, you know, if you're a small business and you're like, Hey, you know, I'm good with that. Okay, great. But you also have others that are like, no, I want to expand 30, 40, 50 employees. I want to make this, you know, a huge success. So you have to do, you do have to take that, you know, point of view where it's like, okay, where, where can I go from here? All right. So let's take a listen from our special guest, Chris. Uh, he is a CEO. So let's listen to his advice on, on leadership and get a, a different perspective. He has been a CEO for a very long time and in a unique industry. So I'm interested to hear his point of view on, on being a leader. Welcome, Chris. And thank you so much for joining us. Great, Nicole. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background? I'm from Columbia, Missouri, which is a leafy green college town in the middle of flyover country. Delightful place to live, probably not a very exciting place to visit. And uh, because that's uh, where my family began our business, uh, that's where we're headquartered, even though we uh, do business uh, throughout the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. And uh, we've just kind of uh, grown organically here in our small town in the Midwest, but uh, we uh, have kind of a global vision of our vertical, which is self-storage. And we try to uh, be as good as we can at it. Other than that, I've got uh, three great kids and uh, a lovely wife who uh, keeps me out of trouble primarily. So. <laughs> I would say small town and global company sounds a bit of the best of both worlds. I think so. You know, particularly with the advent of more remote working so that we can sprinkle in the talent 
uh, areas that that uh, we might be a little deficit of in our in our small town. Uh, but it's a great lifestyle, a lovely place to raise a family, and you can buy a hell of a house in Columbia, Missouri, for five hundred thousand uh, dollars, yeah. which sure might be a, <laughs> might might be a crack shack in California. I don't know. Well, I'm in New York, and it, <laughs> it's similar to it's similar to California, I'm sure. Right, I understand. Can you talk a little bit about what makes a, a great leader, especially with such a large span of employees and reach across across the globe? Well, I I, I can tell you what's helped me. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure I can proselytize on on what makes a great leader, but but what's helped me immensely is just to have a sense of curiosity about everything you see. Uh, It kind of drives my wife crazy, but anytime I go uh, into any business or establishment, I'm immediately pulling it apart in my mind thinking, now, wait a minute, Uh, couldn't they deliver this service just a little bit better? What if they changed this? How how could they adjust things? How could they trim trim their sales or kind of turn the rudder a bit here or there to uh, deliver a, a better experience. Um, that connected to drive and just kind of a, a work ethic that you you just love what you're doing. Uh, and then the last thing is I think you have to have a lot of empathy for people. There comes a time uh, in the, the growth of any organization where you realize that you just can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it kind of ceases to become about assets and really more about your, your human capital, your people. I... I really like what you said about delivering a better experience. I think it also goes to say you need to deliver an experience for your employees, not, you know, not only your customers, but your employees. What advice would you give to our audience? How can they start to have more, more empathy and how can they provide a better experience to their, their customers in general? Have you found any tips or tricks that you've learned over the years? You know, I think there's a couple of, of kind of interesting things along those lines. We'll talk about customers first. Sure. Uh, uh, first off, um, at least for the storage business, um, you know, we went through a whole generation of building big, beautiful, wonderful, you know, receptions and offices and, and things like that, really to understand that at the end of the day, <laughs> the average customer really didn't care. Uh, what, what the customer cares when they're using our business is, how the hell do I get out of here quickly? Um, you know, it's something that it's, it's a place where they don't want to be. So how can we deliver the service very quickly, very cleanly, very easily remove the friction and pain points and spend our time doing that as opposed to, uh, you know, making sure we have the right color of paint on the walls to set the mood correctly uh, or, uh, you know, something like that. So being aware of, what your customer ultimately wants from you uh, and tailoring your services accordingly, I think is, is really important and getting into that and understanding it. Um, so uh, that, that's first and foremost. And then as far as employees go, um, I got to tell you, I think it's uh, understanding that no job's too small and that nobody is above uh, doing those things. Uh, one of the first things that all of our uh, uh, new staff members see when they get on board is a video of me cleaning the toilets. That's how I started out, you know, in high school, uh, in weekends, uh, working at a storage facility as a maintenance guy and kind of a janitor. And, you know, believe it or not, there is a way to properly clean a toilet versus a way to not do it correctly. And I, 
have been known to clean the toilets around our corporate office on occasion if they need it, uh, mostly because I'm there at the time. Uh, and having that kind of, let's roll up our sleeves and get it done attitude as opposed to, um, wow, you know, that's not my job description or I only do this or, or that, that sort of thing. I'm not interested in building a company that has that kind of ethos. I think that uh, uh, we're all in the same boat and we've got to do whatever it takes to, to make things work. I use that, use that line often, right? Not in my job description. Uh, I think it's a big coincidence that you said, I do use it all the time, right? It, you have to be a team player. There is op- opportunities for growth. And I, you know, I know Danielle and I step in and do the tasks with our VAs and that's how we both started. So we align in that way, which is, which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, anytime someone said it's not my job description, I've always said it's, well, it's time to get a new description. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great. Chris, I, I would like to ask you, um, you know, along, along those lines, if someone else, um, maybe they're, you know, in a remote company and they can't uh, be the janitor, so to speak, what advice would you give um, someone on how to operate with that leadership model, whether they're remote or uh, maybe in a company that has employees all across the country? First, I think that employees uh, and staff just fundamentally, they, they want to achieve and they want to do well. But frequently, uh, management does not give them uh, either the specific instructions uh, or the tools uh, or, or train them uh, how to do it. And so I'm a big believer in creating the right recipe uh, and sitting down with someone and making sure that uh, it's a very clear pathway of follow this recipe. If you want to get from, from new to at least pretty good, follow this recipe, okay? And let's focus on getting to pretty good first. Um, we'll worry about perfect later, you know? And I don't ever want to let perfect become the enemy of pretty good. Uh, you know, we've been, you know, before uh, remote working was a thing, we called it outposts. Uh, and uh, in our business, you know, we might have one or two employees in some far-flung location. I think even today we have, I think, one or two employees in Austin, Texas, uh, and, um, and it's a branch type situation or location. Uh, and, uh, you know, they don't see supervisors that often. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so how do we make them, number one, feel connected to the company as, at, at large so that they share in our, our culture and our ethos, but also on their individual jobs, how, how do we give them a measurable recipe that they can hit and obtain and then recognize that, hey, they've done this and it's uh, uh, well done. Um, having that clear sense of direction, I think is essential. Um, and anytime you go about innovating and changing uh, how you do business, uh, as an employer, you have an obligation to your people to make sure that they have clear and concise uh, directions and instructions on on how to make these things happen. So maybe you call it following a recipe, maybe a fancier word is to say execution, uh, but knowing uh, uh, what is needed, making it very clear, uh, and then having frequent touch points, uh, whether it's uh, uh, in a virtual meeting or in person or however you do it, 
to make sure that those things are being fulfilled, I, I think creates a clear pathway to success uh, for the employee and profitability for the company. Your employees are often your biggest assets. We talked about that a few episodes ago that you have to value your employees. They are essential, right? You can't operate without them. So I, I agree. I, I think your advice was was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we certainly learned that during COVID. Um, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> you, you you can't uh, uh, you can't keep the door doors open in a lot of places unless you have a, at least some some staff there. And uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, we had to scramble uh, like any other business to make sure that happened. With virtual assist, we talk about all the time. We want our employee. We want employees who want to be here. Right. And we will train and work with them. Right. You have to. I, I heard once that you want the employees that think like the CEO does. Right. You want them to take care of your business as you would. And those are going to be your, your top performing employees. So I I go into employee calls and putting things into place, you know, recipes that have that ideology in mind. Absolutely. Chris, I'd like to, to ask you, as you know, the title of our podcast is called Not Your Average CEO, and definitely from uh, what you're doing and how you're running your businesses, it's very clear that you are not just your average, regular, everyday CEO that's, you know, sort of going by the old school book. So I'd love to hear, um, you know, just what being not your average CEO means to you, and if you have any um, final advice for our listeners. Well, um... I never thought of myself uh, as uh, uh, as average or, or uh, above average, I, or maybe I hope you don't mean below average when I'm not here. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I think that um, it's a little bit of a humbling uh, experience when you lead a big team. You don't always have the affirmation, you know, when you're the boss, you don't have another, another boss above you affirming you and, and telling you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Uh, And instead, you have to kind of feel your way along. And generally speaking, you know, when I need that kind of uh, barometer or kind of affirmation, uh, I go out in the field and I meet with our our baseline employees and uh, to see um, the product that I am putting out to staff, are they consuming it? Is it meaningful? Is it working? And what I invariably uh, experience uh, is uh, uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Uh, a lot of times I get straight talk uh, that helps me uh, uh, make, make better decisions. In my ivory tower back at corporate office, I forget what a meaningful impact uh, personal interaction with the CEO can bring to uh, just the average uh, person on the line working for us. And um, it always surprises me. I don't think of myself as having that kind of impact on people, uh, but uh, invariably the feedback that I get is that when I do have the opportunity uh, to get out and, 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 and be on the front lines, how meaningful it is uh, to our staff. And I forget that sometimes. And I think uh, that's a lesson that, uh, that everyone should take to heart. Uh, and uh, uh, some people, I guess, would call it management by wandering around. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think sometimes you have to do that. 
and get out of your comfort zone a little and, uh, and, and just uh, see what's really going out on out there. You know, we've done quite a bit of these podcasts now and your advice has been very unique in the sense of providing insight as to what it's like to have employees and to have empathy, like you said. Um, so thank you very much for bringing this different mindset and awareness to our audience that I think is often lacking um, when you're a CEO and, and you touched on that a couple of times. So thank you very much, Chris. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Nicole. And uh, if you ever need a storage unit, give us a call. We've got a bunch of them. So can you tell our audience where they can find more from you? Sure. Um, if you're in the New York metropolitan area, uh, uh, we go by the trade name Manhattan Mini Storage. If uh, you're in the rest of the United States or Canada, it's called Storage Mart. Uh, and uh, we have uh, 300 locations uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada and the United Kingdom. Uh, so please look us up. Uh, it's uh, storage-mart.com. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Nicole. Take care. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Elves, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.